Welcome back to the Talking Points Podcast. I'm your host for the day, Dominic Chapone, joined by three lovely guests, Peter Berry, Luke Radel, Noah Gutfletch. Well, we have a amazing group of Talking Points analysts. All three, of course, we've got the normal Talking Points show that you can find on YouTube through Citrus TV. And today we are talking about the first GOP primary debate that's coming up soon. So we are taping this Monday at 4.30, so just about a little over 48 hours until that first debate. As of now, we've got seven candidates confirmed who will participate in the debate. But most notably, former President Donald Trump will not be one of those participants. He announced just a few days ago that he will not be attending the debate, and there's a potential to even have his own show with Tucker Carlson, the ousted Fox News anchor. So, Luke, we will start with you. Obviously, this is going to change the stakes of the debate a lot. What do you think the non-Trump candidate strategy will be now that he's just basically not going to be in the debate picture altogether? Yeah, this is a huge development that Trump is not showing up. I've been saying for a while, I don't think that he actually needs to, as fun as it might be to watch him up there uh, battling with the other folks. Uh, he's currently in the lead, according to the Real Clear Politics national polling average, by 41 points. Um, that, that's not really a place where you need to be uh, trying to improve on at this point. He's seems like unless there are some major developments, he's got the nomination pretty much on a lock and we're about six months out and anything can happen, but he doesn't need to create any unforced errors. So if Trump was on the stage, he could have rivals like Chris Christie or even Ron DeSantis uh, coming at him directly. Now he gets to stay home. And uh, yeah, this pre-recorded interview with Tucker Carlson will be out, which I'm sure will be a lot softer than anything Chris Christie was going to ask him about or Brett Baer was going to ask him about on the stage. As for what the other candidates are going to do, I, I don't know how much uh, it changes the strategy of someone like Chris Christie, who's still going to uh, make anti-Trump points. I don't think he'll change the strategy of somebody like Tim Scott, who wasn't going to make any anti-Trump points, regardless of whether he was on the stage or not. Um, but I do think it will result in a lot more fire being trained on DeSantis as he'll be at the center of the stage. I think a lot of folks are going to get into the battle for second place as opposed to to going at the leader of this primary field. Before we continue with Noah and Peter, I think one thing we should do real quick is highlight who are the confirmed participants for the GOP debate in order. We've got Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. We've got businessman Vivek Ramaswamy. Former Vice President Mike Pence, so Pence will be back on the debate stage. Ditto for former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. We've got Tim Scott, Senator from South Carolina, and current North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. So obviously, Noah, we've got a pretty decent amount of candidates heading into this debate. Of course, Trump will be absent for this first one. And as Luke kind of hinted at, the polling numbers are radically in favor of Donald Trump right now. He does have a very high approval rating among current GOP voters. So the real question is, with Donald Trump out of the stage, is there a chance that we could see a candidate break out and potentially battle and kind of thin the margin between Donald Trump and that second place slot? Well, I think that is definitely possible. I think that I think that really second place just between uh, right now DeSantis and Ramaswamy uh, as a with a recent polling uh, DeSantis has had a lot of missteps. Uh, the media has been on him a lot, and, ha you know, he has not responded well to them. So if he manages to maybe sh do very well in the debate and show up and impress, he might be able to potentially thin, thin the margin, hold his grasp on second place. There's a bit like Ramaswamy, uh, who is a businessman from Ohio, who is a very... Like he's kind of unorthodox. Uh, he has a lot of positions that are not very common in the GOP, notably that he wants to raise the vote 
the voting age to 25. Uh, so if he, and he has been getting a lot, he's been going up in the polls recently. Six months ago, many people didn't even know who he was. And now he is arguably in second place. So if he manages to impress, he could potentially uh, rise up. He could potentially overtake DeSantis officially and be second place. And there's also Tim Scott, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, who are have an outside chance if they do very well. But it seems like right now they are behind DeSantis and Ramaswamy. So I'd say if either of them two manage to impress, or if one of them, or if either of them manages to slip up, uh, one of them, one of them will definitively be in second place after the debate. Well, no, and you brought up a good point that in recent months, the DeSantis campaign has kind of went a little bit off the rails just based on all the reporting out there. And I think one thing that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes of what will define this debate is how will the candidates promote themselves, keeping the Trump base and kind of getting some approval out of that without targeting the president. And we saw DeSantis go full steam ahead, especially with COVID policy. We saw how he kind of like went against Donald Trump there. And Peter, I think that will probably be the defining narrative for this debate is trying to figure out how are these candidates going to stand out when Donald Trump clearly has a very high approval rating among his supporters and even just your traditional conservative. See, the way they will stand out, they need to have like a concrete agenda, not to just criticize Trump. The only candidate really like praising Trump is Vivek Ramaswamy saying he will pardon him. But uh, the other day on Cavuto, he was saying that he doesn't want to be vice president to Trump. So the way they want to stick out from Trump is they did a sentence to vote for uh, for gift cards, tickets for Messi. I saw Francis Suarez was doing that. And Ron DeSantis is trying to debate Gavin Newsom to try and stick out to voters that the anti-woke agenda is the agenda that will go outside of Florida and go nationally. Well, I, I think one thing, and Luke, I want to get you back on this because you've definitely done a lot of analysis on this in, in previous Talking Points episodes. Trying to figure out, I think, the platform for the GOP in the 2024 election is going to be one of the biggest priorities, I think, for the party. I think something that a big takeaway from the 2020 election was it was basically the party of Trump, and it still is, I think, that, just based off the polling and the popularity. Do we see a buck in that trend? Does the Republican Party create a platform or is it just going to be kind of the rally around the flag effect with Donald Trump? Yeah, I, I really don't think so. And I think a lot of this can be traced back to the RNC chair, Ronna McDaniel. Uh, she's been the chair of the RNC for the past, you know, three election cycles where you had in 2018, they lose the midterms. In 2020, they lose the presidency, Senate, and the House. And in 2022, they vastly underperform expectations with a, you know, historically unpopular first-term Democratic incumbent in Joe Biden. Uh, by all accounts, Ronna McDaniel has done a bad job as the leader of her party uh, and does not seem to have a grip on her party to the point where Donald Trump Trump just sent a giant middle finger to the RNC by saying, I'm not going to show up. But Ronna McDaniel is still going to allow Trump surrogates into the debate spin room. Folks like Carrie Lake, Byron Donalds, Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're going to be in the spin room on behalf of a candidate who's home in Mar-a-Lago. He's not even going to show up, but yet he gets to have his representatives there in the spin room. Just goes to show you how the national Republicans don't have control of their own party. The donors certainly don't. They anointed DeSantis as the guy uh, to beat Trump. He hasn't been able uh, to mount any real 
challenge to him thus far. Now they're trying to get in somebody like uh, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin or Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. At the end of the day, the Republican Party base, the folks that are actually voting or caucusing uh, in these in this primary process, they seem to want Trump and they seem pretty well convinced. I got one last bit of polling data here for you. Um, a majority of caucus goers could be persuaded. Uh, they're still making up their minds. Uh, among all caucus goers, 40 percent have their mind made up. 52 percent say they could be persuaded. But look at this. Among Trump supporters, 42 percent of the caucus goers say they support Trump. Two thirds of them say their mind is already made up. They're already caucusing for Trump. So that's like a third of the GOP base in Iowa, in the very first state, saying, yeah, I don't care what happens in the debate. I don't care what happens in the rest of the primary. I don't care about the four indictments. I'm voting for Trump. So the numbers you bring up there are very interesting. So the New York Times, about nine to ten days ago, released in mid-August a poll breaking down the current GOP electorate. And I think something that stood out is that 26% 26% of all of the GOP electorate was either in the label of traditional conservative or the right wing. Now, the right wing, as we know, is going to be is the belief that Mr. Trump is the savior of America, according to word for word what they're saying in this New York Times article. And then there's the traditional conservative block, which says they might not have a high approval rating of Donald Trump, but they'll still vote for him. And that's a pretty stark number for a lot of these other candidates because you've got half of the theoretical electorate completely already made up their mind. And it kind of reminds me, it's not necessarily the same, but it does kind of allude to 2020 with Joe Biden, where he had such an eventually once the, the other smaller candidates coalesce, he ended up getting the support. It, there, I don't think there's a chance that's going to happen this time around, because I think even if these other candidates, their votes coalesce around one person, whether it's the scientist, whether it's a third candidate, I, no, I don't think that there's a chance. I think the, the real question is going to be, is anybody, does anybody have potential during this to, to have a breakout moment in this debate? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the candidate right now who, who I think probably has the most likelihood, the best odds uh, of getting that breakout moment is actually not DeSantis uh, or any of the others that are in the lead, but is, as Noah mentioned, Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, and we should note that, you know, he's made comments about uh, 9-11, saying that he doesn't believe what the government has told us. He's made a lot of uh, attention-grabbing um, comments in, in recent weeks, but someone who seems to agree that, that Ramaswamy is a threat is Ron DeSantis, and we saw that uh, from the leaked memo uh, that came out from his campaign uh, just last week, talking about how uh, he's going to, DeSantis is on the stage, actually going to defend Donald Trump, the guy that he's supposedly trying to beat in this primary, the guy that's beating him by 41 points nationally. He's going to defend Donald Trump against Chris Christie and take a, quote, sledgehammer to Vivek Ramaswamy. This is from a super PAC memo that was leaked last week. So it's clear that, you know, the, the Ramaswamy probably has the best odds uh, of taking on uh, Ron DeSantis for that second place spot because he's better on TV. He has less name ID. He's less established in the minds of voters. And he seems to be, at least in words, maybe not in policy because he's actually not been in government. He's just an author, an entrepreneur. But in words, he seems to be uh, trying to outflank Ron DeSantis in conservatism, if you can believe it. No, I want to get you back in the conversation here. Do you think that there – who would you identify as potential breakout candidates in the first GOP debate? Like who can have that moment that might get him a couple more points ahead in the polls? As weird as it is, I would actually say it is probably Chris Christie. That or at least he'd be one of my biggest decisions because he has, in many ways, taken or well, not many ways, he actually has before taken out a candidate, Marco Rubio, in 2016, uh, by saying that Rubio was, you know, 
you know, establishment, you know, Washington, Washington DC insider, because he kept on repeating the same sentence or uh, speech. So Chris Christie and Chris Christie is maybe similar to Trump actually, where he just consistently attacks and attacks and attacks. And many of it actually is, and much of it's actually about personality. So that could, and that actually does matter a lot to some of these voters. So Chris Christie, he could give him, he could push himself up a bit, I'd say. He could, if he could just attacks, uh, you can't there. He, attacking Trump, I don't think that'd really work. I feel, since as Luke mentioned, many of Trump supporters are like, yeah, well, we're, we're voting for him. And everybody knows that he's just been attacking Trump. So if Chris Christie could attack maybe Ramaswamy or DeSantis, he could go up a couple points. And besides him, I'd say, besides uh, Christie, I think that Mike, Mike Pence ha- is a good debater and a good speaker. Even if he is not the most interesting and, doesn't, you know, is quite bland. I think that he's still seen as quite eloquent and frankly presidential when he speaks. So he could potentially also gain some. And besides him, besides him, Ramaswamy is, you know, flying up in polls. Also another one to look out for to go up in the polls after the debate. Yeah, a quick polling note there, Noah, on, on Chris Christie, a new Emerson College poll out of New Hampshire, which is obviously the first real primary state, the Iowa's a caucus, uh, it has Chris Christie surpassing Ron DeSantis only at 9% uh, to Trump's 49%. But uh, yeah, right now he seems to be becoming a formidable uh, challenger to Ron DeSantis and the state of New Hampshire. Um, and, and so having a strong debate performance, while it might not sell him over uh, to the Trump base, might win over some of those moderate Republicans who are opposed to Trump and are not looking for someone that's going to kiss up to him like a Ramaswamy or even sometimes a DeSantis. Yes, Northeast is a place where Chris Christie would do really well in, I'd say, because, you know, a lot of moderate Republicans, many of whom are actually pro-choice and, you know, more socially liberal. I, as we saw, as we know, Chris Christie, uh, he was the governor of New, of New Jersey and relied on those country cup conservatives or traditional Republicans, as Don mentioned. So, yeah, he would. Pro- so New Hampshire, it's not surprising that he's doing well there. See, the issue with Chris Christie is, is now he needs to broaden his appeal everywhere else. He needs to like, he needs to broaden in the Midwest, South. That'll be difficult for him, I'd say, but he needs to do it there and the West. So Chris Christie really need if he does very well, I think that he could, I think that it may, you know, get the support to those areas. He could do well and he could drop a couple points. You see, like, I don't think... Pence or Christie will be breakout candidates here because they both went to Ukraine on their own campaign expenses. I think Ramaswamy would really be a breakout candidate here because he's familiar with the pharmaceutical companies. Maybe he'll cut down costs. But one thing I want to mention about Ramaswamy that the Soros Foundation really funded his education at Harvard. So they're going to try and politically spin that into Ramaswabi turned his back on the Soros Foundation, who is usually spends more money in the liberal left-leaning ideologies. Why is he not going to turn his back around on the United States? And Christie and Pence, they're just too critical of Trump. If they want to try and get the Trump fan base, they need to find a different way. I feel like Pence has the hardest job here. Pence 
he's trying to sell the Trump Pence policies without Trump. And it it's just not going to work out well when he has a legendary lead, according to him. Yeah, I want to go around the horn here on, on Vivek. Um, this leaked Super PAC memo had a couple of suggested lines of how Ron DeSantis could take a sledgehammer to Vivek Ramaswamy. So they offer him fake Vivek or Vivek the fake. What do you guys think about those suggested attack lines for Ron DeSantis in the debate? You think that's going to get him over the hump to beat Trump? No. Uh, I, I think real quick to interject, I think one of the challenges with this cam- with the DeSantis campaign is that is he is is he trying to expand the vocabulary? Because remember how I think one problem I think when you look at Florida the last couple months has been people know who DeSantis is right now in terms of he's going to be against any form of he's going to be like the 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 term woke is going to be used at least ten to fifteen times during the debate. Like we all we all just know that that's going to happen because he uses that constantly in his rhetoric and. The question is, yes, he's going to attack other challenges, and he might do that successfully. Like, maybe he can get Pence and Christie and keep his core voters intact. It's about expanding his potential voter outreach, I think, is trouble, because he's he's trying to out-Trump out Trump. And I think that's been the common expression by a lot of the media outlets and a lot of the political analysts out there. I, I think, Peter, it's what, what would you say for kind of that, uh, that question? Yeah, it- the way like it was worded on Drudge Report is that he's more of a like a political outsider. Just no one's really gonna take up on a political outsider except for, for Trump, who has tons of money. But Vivek Ramaswamy, he he's not like the ideal candidate. The he's really just saying, let's pardon Trump. And maybe during this debate, he could have two points where he could align himself with the Trump base and say, yeah, let's agree with Ramaswamy over here. Yeah, one thing also about uh, Vivek is that I feel like he also is really good at retail politics and it's been more relatable to some of the the electorate. Another thing to note is that he is a millennial. Uh, He... He's the youngest. He's thirty-eight, and a bit, you know, he is in touch. I think with a lot of the younger voters. Uh, what a clip I saw actually was a uh, him at the at like a fair in Iowa, and him just like rapping to like "Lose Yourself" by Eminem. Like, yeah, he looks stupid doing it, but like it's relatable, and you know, it's kind of funny. I'd say it is different. So, Luke, it is different for sure. Luke, you wanted to yeah. chime in real quick. Sure. You know, I think seeing clips like that on the trail in comparison and contrast to Ron DeSantis, for whom the narrative, the drumbeat constantly has been, he's awkward. He can't, you know, he can't connect with voters. I saw there was a Washington Post article about how awkward Americans see themselves in Ron DeSantis. That's never the kind of article you want coming out on your campaign as you're trying to get yourself moving uh, in a state like Iowa, in a state like New Hampshire, that really values having politicians come to them. I went out to New Hampshire actually with my dad in 2020 during the Democratic primary campaign. And the people in New Hampshire are just used to seeing presidential candidates, senators, congressmen, former vice presidents, just walk around and be a part of the community at all their parades and things. And it's so important to be able to do that retail politicking. Forget about the fact that Ron DeSantis is probably one of the more successful conservative governors in the country on the policy issues they care about, on critical race theory, on um, all the stuff with education. It doesn't matter because he's not actually able to succeed at this 
television show that is running for the presidency. And that's why the debate it, it becomes so important is because it becomes a lot more about entertainment. It becomes a lot more about that than it does about substance. And that's why someone like Ramaswamy or Chris Christie, who's a former prosecutor, uh, might be able to excel in that format. Whereas someone like, you know, Tim Scott, who's a legislator, or Mike Pence, who's a little boring, as you guys mentioned, or Ron DeSantis, who's been a little awkward, they might not do as well. Yeah, those are all fair points. I think that could tie into one of the last questions that we should kind of get an answer to. What will be the one of the main or the main policy issue that I think will be at the center of this debate? I think clearly abortion will probably be at the center of the stage, just given that the New York Times actually did a great article about a week ago. They broke down each candidate's stance on abortion. And a common thread is that Donald Trump, they they analyzed that he didn't really have a stance. Like he said multiple times he's pro-life, but then policy-wise has never come out to say he supports, say, a national abortion ban or leave it to the states. Whereas in a lot of these other candidates, they have a much more hardline approach. So, Peter, we'll start with you. What would you say is the most dominant issue you think that will kind of define this debate? I think the two main issues will be Ukraine and immigration. If we're forgetting get like near a year ago, DeSantis sent some asylum seekers to Massachusetts. And now there's a bunch of asylum seekers flooding states like mine, New York, Ukraine. As I said in the beginning, Pence and Christie already went to Ukraine, pledging their allegiance to Ukraine. I don't think it will be a popular issue since they want Trump back in who said he would negotiate with Putin and end the war in Ukraine. And DeSantis is saying it's a more of a tutorial dispute when it's a full-blown invasion. I don't think he has the full cusp of what this Ukraine issue is about. Yeah, so I think really the biggest issues are going to be... I actually think it's going to be immigration. is going to be one that's just been a very big issue uh, since, Trump, since Trump came out of the scene in 2016. Uh, and there's a bunch of like different views on that. Some are a bit more pro immigration than others. I think that something that could be a big issue. I'd say also uh, potentially cultural war issues like abortion, gun rights. Those are that's a very big issue since that's now uh, more in the Republicans' uh, platform. And I do think that really Trump himself is going to be an issue. They're going to be talking about just how much do you support him? Uh, what would you? What are you going to do if he is arrested on any one of the charges? So I think that's really going to be what the debate will kind of. Go. I think that's what some of the debate will come down to. Really, just immigration, culture war, and Trump himself. Yeah, I think Dominic, your question is really optimistic that there will be issues discussed, or that it will make an impact on. Uh, the campaign process, given the fact that Donald Trump is going to be likely turning himself in to the Fulton County Jail either the day after or, or, or two days after this debate. Um, I think at the end of the day, it, it comes back to what the point you're making on abortion uh, and the point that we started with about Trump skipping. Uh, Donald Trump has not actually outlined his abortion policy. And most GOP voters who might be inclined to care about something like that, if it were another candidate, don't actually care because it's Trump and they figure, oh, he'll get it done. He'll figure out some way to negotiate a deal. I want to leave with one more piece of polling information. It's my favorite poll that's been done of this campaign so far. So it's a CBS News YouGov poll among Trump voters. Uh, who do they feel tells you what is true? 
Religious leaders come in at 42%, which is shockingly low in and of itself. Conservative media figures come in at 56, which given a $787 million Fox News lawsuit probably should be a little lower. Uh, friends and family, their own friends and family, come in at just 63%. They believe 63% uh, tell them what's true. Number one in the poll among Trump voters, who do they believe is telling them what's true? Donald Trump at 71%. So regardless of whether he skips a debate or loses the 2020 election or goes on to lose the 2024 election, Trump voters seem pretty convinced that what he's telling them is true and seem pretty convinced that they're going to support him to be the president. Well, based off all of that conversation discussion we had, the first GOP debate that will happen on Wednesday night will definitely be a fascinating one and will absolutely kick the stage for primary season and the chaos that is a presidential election, which will be in 2024. Noah, Peter, and Luke, it was good to have you on. And as always, you could check out the Citrus TV Talking Points podcast on Spotify, among other outlets.